Welcome to another episode of Field Days. A podcast about news and hot topics related to the Michigan Department of Corrections. Here's your Golden Post Award nominees, Greg Straub and Noah Nagy. Hello and welcome to the newest episode of Field Days. My name is Noah Nagy and I'm joined by co-host Greg Straub and we're getting ready to start part two of a series with Dr. David Chinsky in regards to leadership. During the first episode, we had an opportunity to talk to David in regards to servant leadership and employee engagement. And I know, Greg, there's a few points you wanted to touch on before we move on. Yeah, you're right, Noah. You know, David did talk about servant leadership and some of the things that he highlighted, the difference between a traditional boss and a servant leader. In employee engagement, he talked about what it takes to make an employee engaged and how you get them to promote your organization and uh, to go out and speak about your organization in a positive manner. And some of those things that he talked about, it didn't revolve, revolve around money. It revolved around giving employees autonomy in their job, having some say in what happens in the organization. So. I thought it was very interesting, and I'm looking forward to part two of David's discussion right now. This is the next module I know that is very interesting to me, and I find it fascinating that, you know, this for the first time in history, there's four generations working together. And I, I, can you talk about some of the generational differences and, and, the, and the key points to to focus on? Because I know, you know, having run a field office in the past. It's very apparent when you look back on this after going through your class and saying, you know, some people sit in their office with the door closed. Some people are out mingling and talking and running things off each other. And some people, you know, would rather get an email. Some people would rather go face to face with conversations. And you don't realize it until you understand this, that mm -hmm. it's, not a, it's, it's not a bad thing. It's, it's okay. It's just that's their that's what they're comfortable with. It sure. may be a generational thing. Sure. So if you can hit on some of those points, I think it may help a lot of people in understanding the dynamics and the demographics of an office. Sure. You know, we have, as you say, four generations in the workforce right now, soon to be five. So the generation that has been in the workforce the longest, we call the traditionalists or the silent generation, they are a very small percentage of the workforce now, roughly 3%. So they're retiring at a very, very rapid rate, and, and these are people that kind of grew up in the Depression. These are people who, um, you know, were motivated to work a little differently. The, the baby boomers, the generation that, that comes next, were the children of, of these traditionalists, and so they grew up in, a, in an environment where, you know, they knew they had to work hard, they had to, they had to save their money. They had to, again, be the, the first people in the office and the last people to leave because they were, they were actually competing for jobs. So this was a generation, the baby boomer generation, was a generation where there were more people than jobs. And so the baby boomers learned early that they had to kind of outperform, right. and so they were always working. So the baby boomers sometimes are viewed as workaholics. They, they tend to work uh, late in the evening, they work on the weekends, and the newer generations, the Gen X and, and the Gen Y, who have a little bit more appreciation for work-life balance, aren't necessarily signing up for that kind of a lifestyle. In fact, many of the millennials, which is the term we often give to Gen Y, the Gen Yers are exclusively children of the baby boomers. 
And so the Gen Yers saw their baby boomer parents work hard, miss certain events, whether it was a dance recital or a sporting, sporting event. And yet, a lot of these parents lost their jobs. They were downsized. They got sick. So they made sacrifices. They, they had issues with their relationships. So there was more divorce in this generation. And so a lot of the millennials are, are looking at this and saying, why, why work this way? Yeah. I, I want to work. I want to make a contribution. And yeah. I want to do my work and I want to leave. Like someone in one of my classes recently said, you know, these millennials, and you, you always know you got an issue when people are saying <laughs> these millennials, right? Um, although that's what they say. You know, these millennials, you know, I can't believe it. They come to work, they do their job, and then they go home. And I'm thinking, what's wrong with that? <laughs> that sounds like a great employee. Who, someone who comes yeah. to work, does their job, and goes home. And yet, some of the generations that preceded the millennials and the Gen Xers believe that you, you, should, you should stay and do more work, right? It's not just doing your work. It's you got to stay late. you gotta, you got to be sitting in that seat. So the work-life balance is a, is a big uh, differentiator. Also, respect and authority. So the baby boomers, the traditionalists, the generations that have been in the workforce the longest believe that because they've been there the longest, you need to do things the way they tell you, that they've kind of earned the right, they've paid their dues. And so when you get to be in their position, then you can say what you think and, and, and suggest that we do it another way. Well, that doesn't tend to go over very well right. with those that are, that are the newer entrants to the workforce because legitimately they believe that they also have ideas that need to be heard and and just because someone's been here longer doesn't necessarily mean that they have the superior idea now the baby boomer might be the boss and, and might have the ultimate say so they might be able to make it be their way in the end although the Millennials and the Gen Xers want the opportunity to at least express disagreement and they don't want to be treated as people who won't earn the right to speak up for another 10 15 years right so what I'm you know so what I'm hearing you say is if if a millennial is being supervised by someone like that then you're not going to get that that loyalty that the, the most out of them so you, you can't just tell a millennial do your time and then and then we'll talk it has to you have to say you know what this person is a millennial so I have to adjust my leadership style to get your buy-in to say, what do you think about this? Right. So am I right in saying that? Absolutely. In fact, I think that there's a risk of not being able to retain millennials coming into the workforce if they don't find that they have the opportunity to speak up. So I see that you're doing a lot of recruiting. I see a lot of the, the people who you're training as they're coming in, you're training hundreds and hundreds of people uh, as they're coming in. And these are, these are for the most part, millennials and as they assimilate into the organization if they come across this kind of a culture where they really can't speak up they're not going to feel like they're a part of the organization and millennials tend to want to collaborate more they want to they want to work on teams more baby boomers are more kind of solo practitioners a baby boomer uh, in general I mean when we talk about these generations these are all generalities what we don't want to do is put anyone in a box. Right, right? right. These are just clues to how we might manage people differently. Because there are some millennials who act like a baby boomer, and there are some baby boomers who act like a millennial. Right. Right. So it's it's not hard and fast. We're not pigeonholing people. 
although there are some of these general trends. To sum up, you know, kind of the generational differences, I heard you say the work-life balance. They like, they like to have to go to work, do your job, go home, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I know that your program is a fit leader program. It's not Correct. just a leadership program. It's, it's called the fit, fit leaders program. Leader program, right? So we've heard many times you have to have a work-life balance. Go home and have a hobby and do something to disconnect from work. But your your program is different. It's a fit leader program. So can you talk about work-life balance and how the fit portion of your you know your program ties into that? Sure, sure. So our as you know our model our leadership fitness model comprises four what I call faces of leadership fitness. Clarity, confidence, effectiveness, and vitality. So clarity is all about you know, helping align people around some vision, some mission, some strategy, some set of goals to remove the ambiguity, to help people see where we're going and to be able to articulate that. So that's the clarity portion of our model. The confidence portion is all about kind of getting out of your own way, being bold, being willing to take risks. Stepping out of your comfort zone, getting out yes. of your bubble, yeah. Stepping out of your comfort zone and 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 really being in a position where you can manage what I call gremlins or saboteurs, these negative voices that are always telling us we're not good enough and that we don't have what it takes to succeed. Those are always going to be there for us. Right. In fact, the bolder our vision, the, the louder those voices often become. And too often leaders are derailed in their career because they're listening and believing that those voices are true and they're often not true. Right. So uh, our confidence modules are all about helping leaders manage those self-doubts. The effectiveness face of leadership fitness, the third part of the program, is all about the tools it takes to get things done. How do you execute? How do you implement? How do you give feedback? How do you manage disagreement? Yeah. How do you create a, a flow of new ideas and foster the creative potential of, of your team? The vitality part, which I think is, is one of the the areas which differentiates our program from a lot of leadership programs yep. Yep. is our belief that you can't have sustainable leadership success if you don't take care of yourself. So it's hard to be clear if you're not vital. If, if you're not kind of at the top of your game physically, you're going to have a lot of cobwebs in your, in your head. You're not going to be thinking clearly. You're not going to have the mental clarity. You're not going to have the confidence in yourself if you're not taking care of yourself. And you're not going to be effective because your resources are, are often going to be depleted. So the vitality part of our program really focuses on achieving balance across many areas of your life. It focuses on making better food choices, knowing that the foods that we consume, the beverages that we, that we consume, have impacts on our energy throughout the day. So if we want to not be spent at the end of the morning or at the end of the day, if we want to have a life when we, when we leave work and not just be so tired that we have to go home and go to bed, right. we have to make better choices. We have to eat the foods and the beverages that create more energy and those are often foods that also produce more alkalinity and less acidity in our body. So you know in our program we talk a lot about the fact that our, our diet in this part of the world, the western part of the world, is highly acidic and we need to alkalize our our blood we need to alkalize our body by eating more fruits and vegetables and by eating foods including some of the superfoods that we talk about right. in the program that are designed to boost 
our, our alkalinity and our energy. So it really is a very comprehensive program that is not just focused on the traditional how do you get things done. Most programs tend to have an exclusive focus on effectiveness. Our program believes that effectiveness is important and we want to be effective at the right things. That's where clarity comes in, knowing where we're going. We want to have the confidence to do the right things and not be afraid of doing the right things. And we want to have the vitality so we don't run out of gas and we don't become overwhelmed. So effectiveness is not enough if you're not clear, confident, and, and vital. Well, and, and that's what I found most you know, fascinating in, in your training was when you talk about balance, it's not just go home and do something that's not work. It's, it's a, a holistic kind of approach to wellness. It's not just find a hobby, get your mind off work, right. and be done with it. Right, it's no, nurturing it's relationships it's, it's, right, exactly. with family, with friends. It's personal growth. might be learning a different language. It might be learning uh, a new skill. It might be reading the classics. It might be managing your physical environment in a, in a way, decluttering your physical environment so that, yes, it's a more comprehensive set of balance. Right. right. Well, David, I, I can't tell you how informational this is and how helpful this is to me. I, I hope it's helpful to everybody who listens to this. Is, now, if, if somebody wants to read your book or if they want to get a hold of you, how, how, do, how do they do that? The best way would just uh, go to our website. Our website is Institute for, F-O-R, Institute for Leadership Fitness.com. Institute for Leadership Fitness.com. You'll find out more information about our, our programs. Uh, we have a, a, a tab for our book, okay. the, the Fit Leaders Companion, which is also... Um, a resource that kind of describes our model of leadership fitness. Right. Well, thank you, David. I don't, I don't know if you have anything oh, else that you wanna that you wanna share with us. Um, but you know, if, if not, I, I can't I can't thank you enough for coming on here and doing this. I know you are you know you're, you're working your tail off training a lot of MDOC staff, and it's it, I, it's going to go a long ways in changing you know the culture of this department and, and moving us in a such a positive way forward in the future and. So thank you for all you do. and You're very welcome. It's a labor of love yeah. for me, as you know, <laughs> know. And, it's, and it's a privilege for me to be able to serve the Michigan Department of Corrections and also the entire state of Michigan through our training program. Well, Noah, we can't thank David Chinsky enough for coming on Field Days and sharing his wealth of knowledge uh, in the world of leadership. And you know what else we should talk about, Noah, is this life remodeled event that happened in Detroit uh, over the last month. You know, I want to sincerely thank all the staff who participated in that event. Um, you know, you, you guys did a lot of great work cleaning up communities and, you know, being part of a, a, of a large event that really made a huge difference in the lives of many people in Detroit. Uh, you know, a lot of our staff on a daily basis are contributing to their communities, and we can't thank you enough for the work that you do outside of work um, in addition to what you do for the citizens of Michigan in the Department of Corrections. So thanks to everyone out there who's uh, making a difference. And just to remind everybody, make sure you subscribe to Field Days on iTunes, and you can go on and review the podcast. And don't forget to also submit any questions that you would like to talk about on Field Days to hashtag AskFieldDays. Well, Noah, what'd you think? I thought it was great, Greg. And, you know, as you mentioned, Dr. David Chinsky talked about servant leadership, employee engagement, generational differences, and work-life balance. It was a great episode, and looking forward to the next episode, Greg. And remember one thing, go Team FOA.